Hey, good morning again. Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Let me turn that down just a little bit. So when I start shouting, it won't be too loud. <laughs> um, so last week we, we, uh, we talked about Elijah, one of my favorite characters in the, in the uh, Old Testament, and, and we saw that Elijah is a man just like us, and yet he prayed. And God directed, and God provided for this man, Elijah. And he does the same for us. Always we want to apply the scriptures to ourselves. Elijah faced battles, but God fought for him. Elijah got down, but God lifted him up. God spoke to this man, Elijah, and, and we, we saw that you know, it wasn't in this radical thing for him. It was in the still, small voice. There were times when radical things happened, like when God spoke on Mount Carmel and the fire came down. That's pretty radical, right? But there are other times when it's just the, the, the still, small voice. And then, and then we saw that God took him home to heaven, and we look forward to that too. Genesis chapter 3, we, we looked at that the week before, really, this, uh, the two weeks before that, really, about the fall. And, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was good. It was all good, and then very good, but then something happened, right? And we call that the fall, Genesis chapter 3, and where sin and death uh, entered the world, and, and fellowship was, was broken, fellowship between God and and people between God and us was broken because of sin, because of the fall. We're going to see today in chapter 4, fellowship between peoples also got a little bit messed up too, right? But even in all of that, God provided the answer, and the answer is Jesus, who says, it says that he redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And if, it, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 says we, he is a new creation. We get, you know, kind of this recreating happening from creation to the recreation. So today we pick it up in, in chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. But again, my template is the hall of faith. And that's what I'm looking at, the different people, different uh, people that are mentioned there in the hall of faith. And so looking back to Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Though he is dead, he still speaks. It's interesting. This this Cain and Abel, again, uh, we're going to look at that here in chapter 4. But what made the difference between Cain and Abel and the gifts that they brought? One thing made the difference. What is it? Faith. Faith. Not a better offering. Some people have said, well, you know, this offering was better than the other offering because this one shed blood and all that. No, no. He tells us here very clear the difference was faith. One brought, brought his gift with 
faith and a heart that trusted in God. And the other just brought this gift, but his heart wasn't, wasn't there. It was kind of like the difference between faith and works. And, it, you know, it, he did it, but it was more like, you know, a formality. It was more like a ritual, more like, you know, religion as opposed to relationship. We talk about that. You know, what do you have? Is it religion or is it a relationship with God? Because that's what God wants, relationship with him. Cain and Abel. So we're looking at these guys today. Notice it says that he still speaks. And, and even though he died already, his, his legacy is a legacy of faith. What, you know, what is, is my legacy? What is your legacy going to be when, when we're gone? Is there going to be some kind of a legacy of faith like this man here? That, you know, I don't know, he, he wasn't perfect, but he trusted in God. He believed in God. He had faith in God. Can they say that about us when we're gone? That's what we see here with this man, Abel. So let's pick it up in chapter 4. We're not going to look at every verse, but we're going to look at a lot of them. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. So it it appears here that Cain is the very first child, right? Firstborn. And, and a couple of things we see here. Number one is this, that life continues. Though the fall has happened and things are really, you know, kind of got really twisted up and messed up, life continues. Life goes on, right? And, and, and even in our own lives, when things, you know, go south, we got to get up and keep going. And that's what they did here. So they, they got through this, and, and Eve says, you know, I, I have brought forth a man with the help of the Lord. So that kind of goes back to chapter 3 as well, where part of the curse was right, that she was going to have to have this pain in childbirth. But though God said that was, was what was going to happen, she says, with the help of the Lord, I got through it. So even though that was part of, of what comes about because of the fall, God was there to help her through it. That is grace. That is love. That's mercy. Verse 2, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So you've got these two brothers now, later, we don't know how much time later it is. They lived a long, long time back then. It could have been a lot of years in between them. But, but sometime later, you've got these two brothers now, right? And, and it's interesting that they have different uh, purposes in life. One had flocks, had animals. The other one worked the soil, and, and, and each one was different. Again, not, one isn't better than the other, and, and that idea that his gift was better because he had the animals and, and all that. No, they were both important. It, there's no difference here. They're both important. They both had a purpose. They both had a calling, and, and each one was different. And I, and I have to think about ourselves that, you know, you and I are all very different, and we all have a calling from God. We all have a purpose in life. What is your purpose? What is my purpose? You have to ask God about that, right? The problem is, and, and we see this in, this in this account here, is 
we sometimes tend to compare ourselves with somebody else. Do you ever do that? No, I never do that. We do that. That's a, that's, I think that's part of our nature. Verse 3, it says here that, that in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So each brought an offering. And it's, it's also interesting that from the very beginning here, there's this idea of bringing something to the Lord. It's like a heart of worship that is in the human. There is in us something that we need to worship. I... I I read recently, you know, the fact that our society, you know, has uh, taken God out. We've gotten rid of that and, and, and you know, our, our, we were built on this idea of, you know, scripture and, and that God was the creator. So we've gotten rid of all that, but people still need something to worship. So... We've gone after all kinds of different things. Some people talk about, you know, the whole green thing, which I'm not opposed to. But that has become like a religion, something to worship. Why? Because we need to worship something. It's in us. So they bring these gifts, right? And and they're different. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. They bring this gift, and, and you know, Paul says, listen, don't bring it if you are under compulsion. And maybe, maybe Cain was kind of in that category where he felt like, oh, i got to bring something because this is what we're supposed to do. But his heart wasn't there. He, there was no cheerful giving there. Paul says also in 2 Corinthians 8, he says that the willingness is there. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. In other words, God accepts what you have, what you have. Not what, you know, you're trying to do what you don't, what you aren't able to do. But the heart there, the willingness of the heart, the faith. And so we see that they're both different. They both come. Now, Cain, if you want to look at these different gifts, and just we can only look at some of the wording here. It says that Cain, he brought some fruit of the soil, some. But it says about Abel, he brought the fat portions. It says he brought the firstborn. So you could maybe make a case that Cain is just bringing just some of it. But, but Abel, he's like bringing the best that he had. He's like, this is so important. I, I just got to give God the fat. Now, some of you that like to eat steak, you know, the more fat that's in the steak, make it taste better, right? It's not better for you, but it makes it taste better. But there's something about the fat and, and just bringing this, the, the fat portions. And, and so... I kind of see it here that, that Cain was just like, he was just going to bring something. But Abel, he, he says, I'm going to bring the very best that I have. 
and do the very best that I can. And, and, and because God has given it all to me anyways, so why not give him back the best of what he gave me? The Lord's response, and the Lord responds, and, and again, thinking about what Hebrews chapter 11 says, the Lord knows their hearts, right? The Lord knows the heart of Abel. The Lord knows the heart of Cain. And the Lord knows our hearts as well. And so it says he looks with favor on Abel's offering, but he does not look with favor on Cain's. Why? Because he knew their hearts. The difference, again, what does it say here? The difference between the two is faith. The difference is trust. The difference is the heart. You see, God isn't really impressed with works, you know. You you think about uh, the story where Jesus, they were kind of at the the box, right? Like we have a box in the back for offerings, so we're going to take an extra offering right now. and I'm, and I'm going to sit and watch what you put in. You laugh. But isn't that what Jesus was describing? There were some, the, you know, these pharisaical, you know, religious people, they brought these big offerings, and then the woman came and she bought what she bring. The two little coins that she had. She gave the very best. She gave all she had. But these others, they just gave out of their wealth and it wasn't like any big deal at all. But Jesus compared the two and says, which which one was doing the right thing and and which one's heart was really into it? It's not about how much you give, it's about how you give. This isn't a message about offerings for our box, by the way. However, we hardly ever talk about money around here. You know that. That's not really what we're, what we're all about. But giving is a part of worship, isn't it? And you, I mentioned worship in terms of, you know, that, that that's in us. And, and Cain and Abel, they had a heart, but, but it, it kind of shows itself in giving. And, and often, how we give is an indicator of where our hearts are. Again, it's not how much you give, but how you give. Is it like, I'm so glad to give this, or i got to give this, or, or else God is going to like hammer me or something. Cain's response, we, we don't even hear about what Abel's response uh, is in this uh, account here, but Cain's response, which showed his heart, was what? His first response was what? Anger. Anger. He got angry. Who was he angry at? He was, he, he was like just angry. He was angry at his brother. He was angry at God too, because God is the one who didn't show him favor. But he was angry at his brother, as we're going to see. He, rather than examine himself like, wow, like what, what's the matter? What, what's wrong here? Rather than examine his own heart and, and come to a place of repentance, he gets angry. He has this jealousy about his brother, this envy, and, and, and it's very dangerous. I heard somebody mention uh, on the radio, even coming in this morning, the sibling rivalry. And he was talking about Joseph, right? Who had all the brothers and 
And Joseph ended up being like the favored son, and he got the multicolored coat. And the, all the other brothers, they were like, no, this ain't happening. So what do they do? They threw him in a pit, and they wanted to kill him, but, you know, that, that quite didn't work out. Verse 6, the Lord speaks to Cain. He says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, God asks him, why are you angry? Do you think God knew why he was angry? If he's God, if he truly is God, he knew why he was angry. Why is your face downcast? Why you got that bad look on your face? Like, like God really wanted to know. God already knew. So who's, for whose benefit were those questions? They're for Cain's benefit, right? And God asks us questions too, not because he doesn't know, but because he wants us to face up to it. Why are you so angry? Do you ever get angry, by the way? No. Somebody said, this guy was saying, uh, again, I heard this on the way in on WRV. He said, you know, if you go to a counselor and the counselor says, you know, me and my spouse, we've never had an argument. Uh, he said, well, go find another counselor because that's not going to help you. God says to Cain, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? There was something not right about what he had done. If our hearts are right, we're going to do the right thing. But he says, but if you're not, he says, sin is crouching at the door. It's like crouching at the door. It, it desires to have you, but you must master it. You must do something about it. You can master it. You don't have to say, well, you know, I had to do it. But with God's help, we can. But if our hearts aren't right, it, it really puts us in like a vulnerable position. When our hearts aren't right, we're in a vulnerable position where, where bad stuff can happen. David Guzik said God wanted Cain to know and to resist the pull towards violence and anger within him. Jesus said it, and, and of course Jesus, man, he knows everything, doesn't he? I, you know, this whole idea, well, Jesus, he was just, he was a good teacher. Well, that's true. He's, he's not only a good teacher, he's the best teacher, you know, but he's so much more than that, right? That's where they draw the line. He's a good teacher, whatever, but he's not God, and I don't really have to listen to him, and I don't really need him. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, out of the heart. Where? Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Where do these things come from? Where does the murder come from? comes from the heart, comes from within us. 
We can't blame, and, and we saw that in chapter 3. Let's blame somebody else. Let's blame the situation, blame the circumstances, blame, you know, the fact that I was hungry, and I, so I got hangry, and that's why I did that bad stuff. We always say, but I was. No, no. I blew it. But God wants to help us. I truly believe this. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide what? A way out so that you can stand up under it. Peter said the same thing. He said, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. So, so if we say, no, I can't. No, no, God says you can't. God was warning Cain, right? This is before it happened. He was angry, and God said, listen, you've got to deal with this. If you don't deal with this, bad things can happen. So he was warning him, and, and we've been warned too. You and I, God warns us, don't, don't do that. Bad, bad's going to come out of it. If you do that, guess what? You're going to reap what you sow. If you sow bad seed, bad plants are going to come up. So he's warning Cain, right? And, and I think he's warning you and I as well. Verse 8. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Cain was warned, right? But he chose not to follow the warning. And this is God warning him. This is the Lord warning him. But he didn't listen. He didn't listen. He decided to, to, do, to do what he wanted to do. And, and anger kind of took over. This root of bitterness within him just sprang up. And, 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 he, and he, he killed his brother. He killed his younger brother. This is uh, obviously an instance of premeditated murder, right? He planned it. Premeditated means you thought about it ahead of time. You planned it out. He said to his brother, let's go out in the field. We're going to go out and have a picnic or something. Let's go out. We can talk and we want to look at the crops and whatever. We're going to look at your flocks or whatever. Keep in mind the context here. This is Genesis chapter 4, right after Genesis chapter 3. The first son, the firstborn from Adam and Eve, kills his younger brother. This is how we all got started here. We wonder why we look around the world today. Why, why is there so much hate? Why is there so much killing? Why is there so much murder? Why is there so much of this? It's, it's like the sin and death that entered the world. The first death. Now, God said, you know, when you eat of this, right, you will die. Spiritually, they died. But physical death also entered into the world. We saw that in Romans. The very first death that's recorded in Scripture is by murder. Wow. God speaks to Cain again, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, 
He had given him some freedom, obviously. There's some time between when the Lord spoke to him and warned him, and Cain goes out and does this, and now the Lord speaks to him again in verse 9. He says, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? We know that phrase. It's not really a good kind of phrase, is it? Am I? It's kind of like sarcastic. Am I my brother's keeper? So the first thing he says, though, is I don't know. Now, did God know where his brother was? Yeah, he did. We'll see in, in the next verse. But so, so Cain, Cain is his, the first words that come out of his mouth are a lie. He's just flat out lying. And then it's like, am I my brother's keeper? What, what do I care? You know, he's not my problem. But isn't he his problem? Wasn't he his problem? He's the one that made him angry. He's the one that got jealousy and envy all stirred up. No, he is your problem. Am I my brother's keeper? We talked about this in the book of, I think it was 2 John, where he should have been his brother's keeper. He, was, he, he should be looking out for his younger brother. We, we should be looking out for one another. But again, these things that happen within families, within society, I don't know that there's ever been a time in the, in, in the history of planet Earth where there wasn't any war going on, where you know one group was wanting to kill and murder and, and do away with another group. But you know... The police department, you know, probably at the top or near the top of the list of calls that they get? Domestic violence, where they have to go to someone's house because in that house, there's something bad going on. Anger. Violence. He should have been watching out for his younger brother. I still remember this. I had a lot of brothers, right? And they were kind of rough. But the brother just older than me, two years older than me, I remember being in elementary school, and there were some kids that were picking on me. I wasn't always as cool as I am now. <laughs> but, you know, my brother, my brother found out about it, and he was going to take care of it for me. And he was pretty rough, pretty tough. I think I, I think I told him, listen, don't, don't do it. But I think he did it anyways. We're supposed to be looking out for each other. Absolutely. Verse 10, the Lord says, what have you done? That's a question in itself, right? What have you done? Not what somebody else done, not what your brother did. What have you done? Until we face up to what we've done in our own sin and repent, nothing good can come. The Lord says, listen, your, brother cry, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Wow. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You know, people say God doesn't really care what's going on from here, you know, down here on earth. But that's not true. He said, your brother's blood, innocent blood, is crying out to God even now. 
the murder of abortion? You think God doesn't know in his heart is, you know, the, the, the innocent blood is crying out to him each and every day. See, there's nothing hidden from him. God knows about it all. And one day he will make it right. Verse 11, consequences come here. It says, now to Cain, he says, you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever kills me, whoever finds me will kill me. So there's consequences and, and this is what we see. There's always consequences for our actions. So he, he, he was a guy who worked the soil, and, and, but, but the, the work would become futile. And there would be this sense of wandering, this sense of restlessness. He'd be separated from others, and he would be separated, it says here, from the presence of God. So there would be this separation from God. This is what sin does. Sin separates separates primarily us from God, and then it separates us from one another. And that's what happened. That's what happens even today. Sin separates. Hell is a very real place. The, the definition of hell is being separated from God for eternity. That's what hell is. Sin separates. Now, we're not going to look at the whole account here, but, but we see even in this that God shows some mercy and some grace to Cain. Did Cain ever repent? It doesn't appear that he did. But God still showed him some grace and some mercy. But jump down to, to the end here as we begin to wrap this up in verse 25. After all this, and you can read the whole account and what, what happened and, and what happens with Cain's life. But verse 25, it says, Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. And she said this, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. And Seth also had a son, and he called him or he named him Enosh. And at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. We, we see these contrasts, right? Men began to call on the name of the Lord. Some people think that, that this verse in chapter 4 is like the first revival. They kind of like, we got to start calling on the name of the Lord. Which one are we? Which one are you? Are we like Cain and anger and, and, and it really hasn't affected our hearts? Or are we like Seth and, and the line of Seth where men began to call on the name of the Lord? You see, there, there's so much in this and we could talk for weeks about this, but First John uh, chapter 3 says this, don't be like Cain 
who belonged to the evil one. Who's the evil one? Satan. And he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. There was something different. And again, it wasn't just what they did, but it was the heart that caused them to do what they did. But Jesus said this, and again, there's this incredible statement. Jesus says, the thief, that is the evil one, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Murder, that's this murder that we've been looking at here. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. And life abundantly is a whole different thing. And we, we talked about it when we had communion. Jesus came to, to die for our sin. Jesus came to reconcile us. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, when we turn to Jesus, we become a part of his family and we, we come for life. Because apart from Jesus, we're living in death. We're dead. The Bible says we're dead in sin. But Jesus says, I, I come to give you life abundantly. And like Seth and his line, we call upon the name of the Lord. And, and it says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you to turn to me. We'll close in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. If you want to turn with me in the New Testament, obviously just after the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. You'll see why I turn here on the context of Seth and Enosh and the lion who calls on the name of the Lord. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 4, it says, Christ, Jesus Christ, is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Again, uh, Cain, his deeds were evil. Right, uh, Abel, he, his were righteous. This righteousness, it comes how? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, through faith. It says, for everyone who believes, who has faith. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. If it's works, it's by works. But verse 6, the righteousness that is by faith says, don't say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. In other words, how am I going to get there? I'm going to take the stairway to heaven. That is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. And here it is again. We saw it in the book of Acts on the screen. Here it is in Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. 
We saw that set, and then they began to call on the name of the Lord. There was this heart of faith. We need to call on the name of the Lord. We see this repeated in the New Testament that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord be saved, will be saved. Cain and Abel, Seth, these are all warnings for us, aren't they? But they're promises too. That Jesus came to give us life and abundantly. And, and you and I don't need to go down the path. But if we do, what did John say? If we do sin, he says, we have one who speaks to the Father in our behalf, right? But, but, but it says there that if we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We blow it. Set, we, you know, we, make, we do bad stuff. We, we make a lot of bad decisions. And, 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 uh, but if we confess, that's why I said, does it appear that Cain ever got right with God and his heart got right with it. It doesn't appear. We don't see that anywhere. None of the scriptures that talk about Cain show that. But Seth, on the other hand, he, he, he said, I gotta get, I, we got to get right with God. And it's this idea of the first revival. And, and when you and I blow it, we, we can come. And Jesus has made the way for us to come. We just confess. We need to repent. We need to turn to him and, and call on the name of the Lord and he will forgive us. And not only forgive us, but he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise. Again, the Bible from cover to cover, it's all one message that God loves the world. And he gave his son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you even for the warnings. The warnings that, that are for each one of us, the warnings of life, the warnings that if we do what's right, we'll be accepted. But if we're, if we're going down a bad path, that, that sin is just crouching at the door and it wants, to, it wants to take over our lives. But you have provided us with a way out. You provide us with the strength. You provide us with the answers that we need, the answers that come from your word, that still small voice that speaks to us day by day by day. Watch over your people, I pray, Lord. Watch over us as, as our, we, we just try to carry on. It's a, it's a fallen world, but we need to carry on and, and, and live. And life does go on, but life with you is true life. That's abundant life, not just the life of this world. So help us, Lord. Help us to, to heed and to listen. We pray for our family, Lord. We pray for Kelly this morning. Lord, we pray you touch him that this rehab would be effective, that he would 
Just help him, Lord. We thank you for answering our other prayers. Lord, we pray for Bob again today too, Lord, and, and is still healing from the pneumonia, Lord. Raise him up, Lord. Help him with all the other issues that he's facing too, Lord. Father, I, I know that even this in this room this morning, we're, we're uh, all different and we all have different trials and struggles. I pray you'd help us to, to walk with you and talk with you because you call us your own. Help us with those trials. Maybe somebody right here right now needs to just call in the name of Jesus to help you in the middle of this trial. And I believe that he will hear you. Maybe there's someone who needs to call in the name of the Lord just to be saved. Very first step, that maybe that's you. Just call on the name of the Lord. And the promise is that you will be saved. That's the promise. Lord, thank you for how much you love us. We offer back to you first our hearts and then all the stuff that we have, we offer that back to you as well, Lord. We got so much stuff. I got so much stuff. It's just stuff, though. But you want our hearts. You want my heart. And I offer it back to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?